Welcome to Podcast 21, Being a Father to the Fatherless. Welcome to the Linda Brightman Podcast. I'm your host, Linda Brightman. God has called me to build the identity of Christians. Whether you're a new Christian or a seasoned leader, let me ask you one question. If I could crawl inside your mind for 24 hours, would I have a good day? Welcome to the podcast. The, this podcast is on being a father to the fatherless. And with me today, I have a father in the faith. His name is Ed Berger, and he and his wife, Andy, are founders of a ministry that helps at-risk teens who are on the street. It's called Beulah's Place, and they're located in Redmond, Oregon. So welcome to the podcast, Ed. Thank you. It's nice to have you here. It's nice to be here. So, you know, the ministry that you have is uh, literally about being a father to the fatherless, because these teens that you find are on the street. Tell me about that. Tell me Tell me what the, these kids are like. I mean, I presume they, they just don't have a father figure in their life, most of them. Well, unfortunately, that's kind of like how they end up on the streets. They don't have any guidance at home. But uh, when we get a hold of them, um, I have become somewhat of a father figure for more than half of them. Uh, one even asked me to be the walker down the aisle at her wedding. So. Um, it's, it's, it, it gets kind of crazy, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a real sad state of affairs out there. I was, I was, my back upbringing was a little bit different. I was very fortunate, but a lot of people don't, uh, you know, get raised behind a white picket fence. It's not, uh, it's not Mayfield everywhere in the United States and for all the kids. Yeah. Well, what is the condition of the kids generally when you when you find them? Do you just find them walking around on the street, or how do they find you? How do you find them? That's a good question. I think they, they we get we usually get calls on our hotline, and um, we call them, call them back. Schools call her, Schools call us. Um, tips from other people. Our last, our latest person that we helped. Uh, it was uh, the girlfriend's dad that said you ought to call Beulah's place. So, um, they, uh, yeah, all kinds of venues that they get to us on. Well, so you are like you're a father to the fatherless. How does that role really play out for you? Well, Let's put it this way. My day is not done when I get off my regular job. <laughs> and uh, we just, uh, you know, they have questions. They have concerns. And most of all, I interject when I can. And I kind of, if I see them going, taking a wrong path or making a wrong decision, I kind of correct that. But, you know, they're adults, so they're going to make the decisions they want. But I just try to steer them and direct them in the right you know, direction. I just let them know that, hey, I've been down your path before many, many years ago. I can save you a lot of time and energy if you stay off this street and you go over here. Wow, that sounds like something a good father would do. <laughs> well, tell me about your past, Ed. What was your father like? Well, 
he was a he was a pretty gentle man, um, a big heart, gentle man. Raised me and my two brothers. Did a great job, and uh, our uh, relationship was um, very nice. Um, I don't know how else to put it. It was just. It was just. It was just. I'm, I'm very fortunate, and I and I know that I'm fortunate, and I thank God every day for how I was raised because. If the other guys had half the, half the chance that I had when I was a kid, we'd be in a whole lot better shape. But we'll get them. We're going to get them one by one. We'll get all these kids straightened out. If we can't get them all, we'll get as many as we can. Well, do they – you know, it's interesting because as you were talking, I thought, wow, you, you grew up with a, a great father. And in, uh, in my life, my father died when I was four years old. And so I didn't grow up with a father. And up until he died, um, I he was a loving, caring father who told everyone who would listen that his daughters were the most beautiful girls in the world. So I had a very loving father. And then that was suddenly pulled from me. And in many years, I just did not know what a good father figure was or have a father figure. My memory was good, but I felt that loss. Well, it seems like for a, a teen to be on the street that something had happened with their fathers, mothers and fathers, but this month we're focusing on the, on the father, that something happened, uh, it was either an unhealthy situation or something. What? What is it? What goes on? Do they have other well, father figures? Are, I mean, do, are we looking at a fatherless generation? I would say that we're looking at the generation where, yes, we're looking at a father's generation. Um, you know, we, we, we all know the 70s uh, TV show, Brady Bunch. That was one blended family that worked. But a lot of times when you blend families, it doesn't work out quite as they show on TV. You have um, a, a, a lot of stress and just a lot, a lot of um, different thinkings when there are young men and women in the household that aren't your blood. It just creates a lot of different um, bad. Um, it, it, bad things sometimes happen and it just isn't cracked up to what it shows on uh, a t on TV and all that. It's, I would say that we are living in a fatherless society now. Um, it's, it, I mean, I know a lot of great fathers out there, but man, they're, they're so far and few in between. Well, when you come in contact with the teens, is there a trust issue with you? For them to trust you? Well, they're standoffish at first, but when I, when they get to know me and they know that my my uh, my intentions are good and that I'm for them and I want to see them progress in their life, uh, they start to warm up to me real quick. Uh, they they know that hey, this guy has given me three great ideas and tips already. I think he really wants me and uh, wants me to succeed in, in this thing and. You start to win them over. You just talk to them. They get to know you. It's just like, if I could say, housebreaking a dog. You just get used. You know what to do and what to say. And that's funny. I, yeah, 
That's a crazy <laughs> analogy. What's, what's wrong with you there? <laughs> You're funny. I wish you guys could see his face. Um, oh my goodness gracious. Um, well, how, uh, how do you, I mean, with Father's Day coming up, how do you see your role with your at-risk teens as we focus on Father's Day? I just represent the Heavenly Father and just do what he would want me to do for them. And, um, you know, we see some of them. We won't see them all. And I'll just continue to do what I do, usually do and just be available to them whenever and I can. You know, what comes to mind, Ed, as you're talking is the story of the prodigal son and the father there waiting with open arms, really, yeah. for the child to return. It sounds like you're the, you stand in the place of a good father. So that when they're, you know, and, and really representing the heavenly father, so that when they are, when it's the timing, when, they, when they're ready, when they want to return, when they want to come and know a good loving father, um, that you're standing in that place. Is that how you see it? Do you see yourself as the father in the prodigal son story? I see myself two ways. I see myself as the person who has his arms out that wants to welcome them back and, and talk if, if they have any you know, concerns in their life. I'm, I'm here for them. But also, I always praise the good fathers. You know, we, we, you know, just because they're doing the job, we just can't ignore them. If, if I, I tell my friends, Jamie and Andy and the, the, the like, that I just tell them, you just, it's unbelievable how you just continue to go to their basketball games and you teach them in wrestling and you're always out in the ball field throwing them catch. I mean, you don't see fathers and sons and fathers and daughters playing catch anymore and stuff like that. Not as much as we used to. And so, yes, I am here for the, for the fatherless, but I'm also a cheerleader for the father. For the, for the good fathers that are out there. Yes. Yes. Why do you think it's a fatherless generation? What's happened? Too many distractions, broken relations, um, people, people don't have, I, I don't want to sound like my dad, but he's right. I mean, we just don't have the, we don't have the tenacity to stick to what we, of what our principles are. Principles are old and they're just, they're easy to break and it's easy to get up, get caught up with what's trendy. And being a father is not being trendy. Being a father is sticking to principles and the guidelines of a parent and I just think people just give up the ship and it's just hey it's easier to go to happy hour and hang out with the guys and watch a game than it is to sit at home and watch the uh, watch a softball game on ESPN2 with your daughter and that's what they should do so wow so you're it's like real practical down to earth yeah yeah I mean I don't even I, I, parents don't even sit down and hardly do their homework with their kids anymore and a good father would do that so I just not tonight, not 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 tonight, dear. I'm I'm so busy. We'll we'll get to your arithmetic the next time. You really got to be a father now, and not later, because those years slip away really fast, and then regret starts to set in. It sounds so. What you're saying is, 
all of that strongly contributes to the teen ending up on the street. Well, that's like a compound effect. It continues to build, it continues to build. The wave doesn't look so big when it's 300 feet off the shore, but when it gets about 50 feet from the shore, it crashes down on you. So yeah, it accumulates and um, like I say, uh, you gotta, uh, uh, fathers, just cherish the moments with your kids because they don't stay that way very long. That's really Involve good. Involvement is key. That's what that's what a parent is, is being involved. So, how would you? What are the qualities? How would you? If there are fathers listening to this, and you're saying, "Listen, let me tell you how to be a father," what would you say? Well, how would you counsel them? A man who's, you know, he maybe he didn't have a good father or he just doesn't know. He's like stumbling and bumbling. What would you say how to be a good father? Follow through. If you, if you, I think one of the biggest things is if you say you're going to do something in a moment of convenience, you have to follow through in a moment of inconvenience when you don't feel like doing it anymore. You know, you sit down on the easy chair, you're going to watch, watch a boxing match. Well, later, honey. But, Dad, you said. That's one. Um, I think also you have to um, – integrity. And, you know, you just got to be there for them. You, you, patience. Patience is another one. Yeah, kids can be trying at times. But, doggone it, you decided at one time – to have this child carry out your responsibility and that is integrity and that is that is that's that's integrity and I'm, I'm big on that you know tell us how when you come in contact with a teen through one of these different ways whether it's a call on the hotline or a school calls you or people or a tip or something so you get with the teen and they're on the street, then what do you do? Well, first of all, we, gotta, we figure out how we can help them. And usually that's a threefold thing. They need to get, they need to be, they need nutrition. So we need to feed them good food. They need to sleep and get some rest. And then we need to, when they're of sound mind and body and they, then we need to just talk about, what their needs are, where they're going in life. What do you want to accomplish in the next six months? What would you like to accomplish in the next year? And kind of guide them. College isn't always for everybody. Even getting a GED, although I highly recommend it, we encourage our kids to, that's not even uh, sometimes works. We would just want to know what's your aspirations? What would you do? What would you like to do for the rest of your life? Or better yet, better yet, what, what, how would you like to work in something and get paid for it? In other words, enjoy your job. So we just kind of almost become career guidance counselors. Yeah. We find out how to point them in the right direction because their compass has been blown out of the water, so they don't know which way they're going. They're just they're surviving minute by minute. We're going to show them how to build a life. 
where do they live? I mean, do you provide a place for them to live? Safe houses. We have volunteers that, 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 that house our kids. They open up their home and um, that's a tough one, but th there are some out there that do that and we appreciate them so much. And we, we, we bring them into our house and um, by the grace of God, we're gonna have our own facility here uh, one of these days very soon down the road. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a vision of ours. And, uh, but that's where we get them. Uh, we, we house them in safe houses and in our house. But usually it's Andy and I that get them back to thinking straight to where they can make rational decisions. Wow. That's really huge. Now, so the people that are living, that are listening to this, how can the everyday person help people, you know, young kids that they see? What can we do? Yeah, definitely don't judge them. Uh, if someone it looks maybe a little bit different than the rest of the crowd, there's usually a reason for that, and we don't know what they are. Um, and just be accepting. Um, it doesn't mean you have to rush up to them and buy them a hot dog or, or, and, and a, a Coke or anything like that. But just don't you just you just got to treat hey if you're walking on two legs and you're in your human being you deserve at least some respect until you prove that you don't need it and if, and if you see a kid that looks a little different at least be courteous to them uh, that's a big deal because um the kid ha the kid has a lot of has enough problems they're trying to get rid of they don't need to have some strangers looking at them like they're an oddity yeah you know the ad there's a place in the first um, uh, john that says let us not love with words or tongue but with actions yes. and truth and that's what you're talking about is demonstrating love yes through your through your actions absolutely and of course, you know, you have words that go with it, but it's really a demonstration. what, I mean, meeting these kids in a real practical, practical way with food and sleep and what their immediate needs are. And it's almost then you earn the right to speak to them, speak into their life. Well, that comes with trust, but we, like I say, uh, they've been burned so many times, but as you continue to repetitively give them advice and feed them and talk to them and you're gentle with them and you're truly listening, you know, body language is a lot. Uh, when, you, when, when they're talking to you, you got to really watch how you do your body language because your body language can tell you if you're, in, if you're engaged in the conversation or not. So that is a, that's a huge thing. So. Yeah, um, if if we feed them, clothe them, and 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 speak life into their into their life, then yeah, I think that we've earned a little bit of. Uh, uh, I think we've earned the right to uh, counsel them. I mean, some, nobody else is, and their parents certainly are. Otherwise, they wouldn't be homeless, right? So. I know your organization is Christian based and it's yes. really with the love of God. 
that you do what you do and how you speak into their life. Tell me how, what are the obstacles you've come, you've overcome in your life to be able to do this? Well, <laughs> I was told many times that when I was a kid, I was just a little alien and uh, a disturbing element in the class. But you know what? If there was ever a kid that needed that, that, that could have been homeless by less than the parents that I had, it would be me. But uh, mom and dad st <laughs> stuck with me. God bless them. And I'm pretty happy and content in my life right now. And that's what we try to, that's what we want to do for our kids. doesn't matter where you are, where you start. doesn't matter who's the smartest kid in the class, who's the dumbest kid in the class. It doesn't matter. What matters is where you start and what you do with your life right now. And they're all so young, you know, they're only between 18 and 23. I, you got the whole, you got a roadmap ahead of you. Which road do you want to take? Wow, that's really, you give such uh, solid, basic, wise counsel. Just hear a lot of wisdom coming from you, Ed. Did you, did you get that from your father? I think I got that from my uncle Ed, who I was named after too. He was an old farmer back in Fort Lupton, Colorado, and we used to drive, make the drive from Southern California to Colorado, the two-day trip. And he used to sit, let me sit on his lap when he drove the tractor, and he would just speak all kinds of wisdom in my head. And that that would have been my mom's brother. Wow. And uh, you know, I look back, I look back, and I was a pretty lucky kid, not born into wealth. Trust me. When I saw, when my dad passed away and I got his little box and I saw what he made a week at North Island Naval Air Station back in the 70s, when he, I said, how did he do it? But you know what? Um, they did it and I got, I was the beneficiary of all their wisdom and all the family's wisdom. And um, I just try to spill that over into our, our kids. Because Boy, that's the greatest gift. It really is. It really is. That's really cool. Well, I want to thank you for joining us today. And awesome. Is there anything else you would like to say to the kids or the fathers or the mothers listening? Like, just any wisdom for them? Yeah, just be involved. And uh, life isn't that tough. It's got its challenges, but you can get through it, and it's, it's worth it at the end. Wow. Don't quit. Okay, well, Ed Berger of Beulah's Place in Redmond, Oregon, you are truly uh, a wonderful example to all of us of somebody who is a father to the fatherless today in our society and going into tough places and invading and pulling out treasures of darkness. So I, uh, I appreciate your, just appreciate your heart, you and your wife. So thank you for being on the program today. Thank you. <laughs> and, you know, I want to say to the audience, you know, maybe you have had, uh, didn't have that great of a father yourself, or maybe like me, you're, you lost your father and he died or he left your family. 
But I want to tell you, there is a heavenly father who loves you and sent his son to die for you and reconcile you in your relationship with God the Father. And he is waiting with open arms, open arms for you to turn to him and say, look, I don't get life. I don't get a lot of things, but God, I need you. I need Jesus. And I want to tell you, Jesus, he died on the cross to, for all of the sins, the things that you have done that where you have fallen short and messed up. He died in your place so that you could, he, he would impart to you the righteousness of God in Christ, that you would be able to stand before God righteous. And if you would like to pray with me and ask Jesus into your heart and to know this this loving father, this good father, we can do that right now. Maybe you've asked Jesus into your heart once before and you walked away, or maybe you've never done it. So I encourage you, God is a good God. He is a good father. So why don't you take a, take a risk, take a step of faith, and right now pray with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you and I ask Jesus into my heart. I want to have a good father, Father God, the true father to the fatherless. I need a good father. I'm inviting you to come into my heart. Forgive me for my sins and thank you for dying on the cross. I thank you that right now in this moment, the slate of my life is washed clean and made all new. It's like I have a brand new slate. I thank you, Lord. Teach me about you. I love you, Lord. I'm yours. In Jesus' name, amen. And with that prayer, it the truth is you are made new you are a new creation and you are all all the old is gone and now new has come so i encourage you to uh get a get yourself a bible uh, something you can understand like the living bible or the message and start with the book of john and read it slowly and ask god Ask God to show you who he is, and he will. So you can always contact us through the ministry. Uh, I ha usually have my, uh, through my website, lindabrightman.com, you can contact us. And uh, if you have any questions or just want to tell us you prayed that prayer. So thank you so much, and we will see you next time. <laughs>